on this week's episode, it's Star Wars versus Star Trek once again. AMC just can't leave The Walking Dead behind. And does Tom Hanks really believe in Dead Eyes? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe, follow, or do everything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, Vampires, and Vitae, PopCultureCosmos.com, everywhere are social media for not only Pop Culture Cosmos, but Vampires and Vitae as well. If you can support all that great stuff, because we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook, and you can also check out the latest news and trends in pop culture every single day at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. And if you can support all that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is our own Star Trek super fan <laughs> for Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what she's doing today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. She's also doing some great things for Vampires and Vitae, the awesome tabletop RPG show that you got to go ahead and get into right now. Well, actually, no, after the show. <laughs> Wherever you get your podcast, <laughs> it is my good friend. It is Mrs. Melinda Barkhouse Ross. And Melinda, we are back at it. Yes, ma'am. Once again. Mm-hmm. So. I want to ask you this before we go okay. into the show and I give everybody the rundown of what we're doing because we're talking pop culture because there's another great weekend in store for us here. I want to ask you this. We always talk about our podcast because we're so shy. We're so introverted when it comes to pitching our own podcast. And you only hear it like 15,000 times during the course of the episode. You, by the way, Vampires and Vitae, Pop Culture Cosmos, Lakers Fast Break. But I wanted to talk about some podcasts one of yours, and one of mine that we listen to on the side that is not solely owned by us or hosted by (laughs) us or guested on by us or in any way, shape, or form relating to any of us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos or Vampires and Vitae. So Mm -hmm. is there a podcast on the side that you listen to when you're not checking out anything that's Pop Culture Cosmos or Vampire and Vitae related? There's two. Do you mind? Okay. Is that okay? Is that okay? Okay. That's so allowed. First... You're the host of the show. So yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. So there's one, it's called Rolly and the Geek. It's a group of people who played together for a really long time. And then a absolutely heartbreaking and devastating event happened to their DM. And I have been doing everything that I can to continue to support their podcast because of this terrible tragedy, because I want nothing more than for this table now that lost their DM to come back stronger than ever and to feel supported and and all of that kind of stuff with the community. So look them up, Rolling in the Geek. So show them a little bit of love. If you are a Warhammer 40K kind of person, this is more of a YouTube thing than it is podcast. So I'm just going to pretend that it still counts. But what you need to do is look up Baldermort, B-A-L-D, Baldermort. He does a lot of lore videos and he has a ton of them right now. We, Robbie and I discovered him when he had, gosh, less than 500 followers. Now he's up in the hundreds of thousands of followers and all of his videos are are on a very regular basis getting thousands of views and, and stuff like that. He just loves being able to kind of introduce all of the different 
factions and, and all of that kind of stuff to an audience that is discovering Warhammer 40k for the very first time. So give Uncle Baldy some love and tell him that Robbie and Melinda sent you. The reason why I asked you this, Melinda, is because on mm-hmm. the back half of the show, I will share a podcast that I have been listening to that has garnered a lot of news in the past couple of weeks. I will go ahead on the back end of the show and talk about why you might want to check out Dead Eyes. And that's coming up on the back end of the show. Plus, also I want to make mention that we're going to be talking about Turning Red, which hits Disney Plus this weekend. We're going to be talking about WWE 2K, which returns to consoles this weekend. We're going to talk about why that's a big deal. Plus, DC had some movie changes as far as movies going here, movies going there. So we'll be talking a little bit about that. Another Walking Dead series has been announced. So the Walking Dead series is far from over. We'll talk about if that's a good thing or a bad thing. And also the Adam Project with Ryan Reynolds. That debuts this weekend on Netflix. So we'll talk about that on the show as well. But first, Melinda, ah, Star Trek, Star Trek, Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek, Star Trek, Star Trek, Star Trek. Uh huh. I have a great admiration for Star Trek. I've told you I have seen quite a bit of Star Trek. I have almost seen as much as you have when it comes to Star Trek and admired it greatly. But when it comes to the Star Trek versus Star Wars argument and battle, as it always seems to go down to, I love both properties, but I've seen both sides of this argument. And the Star Wars folks seemingly always have the upper hand as far as box office numbers, as far as popularity, as far as its embedment in pop culture, you know, whatever argument you want to make. Well, Star Trek, since its shows have started migrating towards Paramount Plus, starting with Star Trek Discovery, has made a really nice resurgence in Mm -hmm. recent years. Long overdue. Yeah, long overdue. Since... (laughs) The third movie of the reboot movie of the Star Trek movies, that kind of eh, met mediocre reviews and kind of did mediocre the box office, didn't really get the kind of pizzazz I think that Paramount was hoping for. So they let the IP rest a little bit, a couple years. And then, like I said, Star Trek Discovery came around. Then Star Trek Picard has come around. You got Star Trek Strange New Worlds that's on the way. You've got the Star Trek show that's based on Nickelodeon, that's done a great job. You got Star Trek Lower Decks, that's done a great job over the past couple seasons. But the thing is, when you're promoting your product, you got to do it on a day when Disney does not drop a trailer on the same day. So we, on the same day, you had Strange New Worlds, an upcoming series that needs all the attention and all the eyes it can get. On the same day, it drops as the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer for Disney Plus that's coming up in May. I would fire the PR company for Star Trek. They just blew it. If you always want to play second fiddle, these are the type of things you do. Right. Well, if you always want to play second fiddle, then you you give your fans the kind of inkling that tells you that you don't really like your fans as well. I mean, Star Trek has done a really good job of doing things like that. I mean, Star Trek Discovery is outstanding. I've been catching up, like I told you before we went on the air, and I've told you the production values for this show, especially the, the special effects, are some of the best that you can find anywhere on television. Absolutely yes. anywhere. And, and some of the story, best lens flare, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, some of the best lens flare, et cetera, et cetera. But it uh-huh. is really, really good. Picard, up and down his first season, but season two seems to be going off on the right note. Star Trek Lower Decks, very funny. Obviously, it's going to come around to be a big hit still for Paramount+. Plus. But these things that I'm seeing as far as eternally going awry for Star Trek, in an era where Star Wars is very uncertain after the poor performances of the last three Star Wars movies, well, I should say Star Wars Force Awakens, that actually kind of did well box office-wise, but the, critically, as far as it's concerned, right. they're all over the place with, when it concerns, especially with The Last Skywalker, which everybody kind of panned. I'm just thinking that the best opportunity where you only have the Mandalorian to go up against and what you saw with the Book of Boba Fett, which was like, okay, people were like, eh, whatnot. You know right. the story on that one. It just seems that you have these opportunities to go ahead and catapult yourself into a conversation more prevalent than you were before, but you keep making these mistakes that leave you a little bit behind. And that's just where I'm coming from. Sure. I can see your point. 
what would have been clever and i don't know if if this is what they did because i wasn't there i wasn't around when the taylor well, it's just the usual trailer drops like, yeah. you know what i mean yeah it was just the thing right but what would have been clever would have been to buy ad space on the front of the star wars trailer to show the star trek series well, maybe they did that with YouTube. It's depending on algorithms and what you're watching. So maybe actually people might have actually caught that on their YouTube channels when they were watching yeah. the YouTube version. But again, it's still kind of disappointing to see that Star Trek makes these little mistakes that leave them behind. And that's why they're at a certain level at Star Wars, whatever. They can bring out a baby Yoda and instantly back up into the prominence again. Right. They, here's here's it, my... My beef they, is they just keep Star Wars can seemingly do a lot more wrong than Star Trek. That's all I'm trying to say. Right. And I think that it's because of this very unusual history that Star Trek seems to have between yeah. Star Trek and its fans and how quickly and severely they come after even cosplayers, for heaven's sake, you know, have felt some of the heat from the Paramount people. So maybe they should start there and rebuild your core community a little bit. But I also think that what has happened is we have been starved for new Star Trek for so long, starved for it. So it's almost, they're just like, here you go. And they're just oblivious to everything else. They're like, well, this trailer's ready. Here it is. Here's this. Here's this. That's going to keep them quiet for a while. It almost feels like that as a Star Trek fan. Maybe I'm taking this a little bit too personally now that I've said it out loud. But to me, that's how it's coming across. I'm going to go ahead into the trailers themselves. Kenobi, yeah. which again is for the upcoming Disney Plus series. Yeah. It gave a, a somewhat of a, a generic look at what's coming up in the series. It looks good because it showcased a lot of the, the new villains that Kenobi will be facing off against. Take a look. You actually see for a, a sheer second, you see a young Luke Skywalker and him staying far away, not trying to interact with them, but that he's keeping an eye on him, whatnot. You'll see the constant search for Jedis to go ahead and kill because the Empire is after all the Jedi, after Order 66. I mean, it's very intriguing. You barely see Kenobi in the trailer or see him do much. You do see right. Joel Edgerton playing Uncle Ben again in that role that uh, he actually played in, in a couple occasions already. So it's great to see him come back into that role because he's a big name actor. That's not the biggest role in the world. So you're kind of curious will he play a larger part in this new series? So that's something I, there to think about. But again, it didn't have too much of Ian McGregor as Kenobi in it, just a couple shots of him and whatnot. It was more about the adversaries he's facing off against. But you, And you don't see Darth Vader as of yet or Hayden Christensen or anything like that yet. So that's still yet to be revealed. With the Star Trek Strange New Worlds trailer, it seemed to be more of a complete trailer of what you're looking to expect from them as far as Anson Mount, he's isolated, he, he doesn't want anything to do, but he's coaxed back into in the service, going on back on the ship and going back into exploring the Strange New Worlds. Just, it really looked good. It really looked complete. What I'm trying to say is in order to try and capture the audience, don't do it on the same day that Star Wars a main rival of yours in the pop culture realm or the consciousness, I should say the pop culture consciousness. Don't try to compete with them on the same day. My daughter, I told you earlier, she's a Disney fanatic and she likes to go ahead and check out everything that's going on. She caught wind or she guessed correctly that the star Wars Kenobi trailer dropped. If my 16 year old daughter can figure that out, why can't they at Paramount? I honestly, I, I feel like, and it's frustrating as a Star Trek fan to, to did have you, these, did you, these thoughts. You and, saw both trailers and you like both trailers, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And both for different reasons. I think the problem is that I just, I don't want to say I don't think that they're aware because I don't know how accurate that is. How could you be in the world of PR and be unaware? But there's a failure somewhere. I'm not sure where it's at, but it's a you know, disconnect. Seeming. Yeah. Please call me. I'll help you. <laughs> I'll market Star Trek. Are you kidding me? What a dream job that would be. Call your girl. I'll help you. I out. mean, and it did. It wasn't like it dropped on the first Monday, like a lot of trailers, big name right. trailers drop. It's always on Mondays. This didn't drop until the middle of the week. 
They had right. every opportunity to drop it beforehand or a week after or a week before where they have their own space to go ahead and showcase to fans. This is what is upcoming in the Star Trek universe that we really think is going to be special. And Star Trek, again, is really seeing a renaissance of really great proportions. And actually, there's going to be a Star Trek movie later on this year that they're going to start yeah. filming that seemingly all the cast members weren't sure or didn't know about. <laughs> oh, really? There's a surprise. new movie going to be starting? Yeah, surprise. Yeah. But yeah. I'm still, I just want to see Star Trek succeed on a level and a platform than it is right now and yeah. get to that level of success that I think it's always deserved, but never has truly gone. I agree. And again, it pains me as a Star Trek fan to see that kind of stuff and people looking at this series that I love so much and has meant so much to me for so long to see people have that kind of opinion about it as, you know, it's, it's disconnected. Is it, it, it's, is it too highbrow? Because sometimes it gets accused of being highbrow sci-fi as opposed to Star Wars, which is more generally commercial sci-fi. But I, I think that that's part of what they're trying to fix is fix the correct word. I don't know. I felt like when I was watching Discovery that they were spending a little bit more time on the relationships of the crew of the Discovery. I know mm -hmm. there was like the monster of the week and all that kind of stuff, but it felt like they took what was great about Deep Space Nine and what's been great about every other Star Trek series and they put it together and then we got Discovery. And I think that that's going to be the formula that they use for their TV shows moving forward because of how successful Discovery is. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. So let me get this straight. We're going to play a like a video game together or Well, not exactly. Okay, fine. W where's the controller? Uh that's it's it's right here. This is literally a sheet of paper. I don't understand what you Here, you're going to need these two. Dice? You've just had are these even dice? We are going to play Vampire the Masquerade. It's a role-playing game. What kind of vampire do you want to be? Okay, now you're telling me there's more than one kind of vampire? Oh, my friend, you have no idea. There's an Osferatu, a there's Nosferatu. Vampires and Vitae, an actual play podcast. Season two to Pop Culture Cosmos. Okay, well, again, I'm just concerned as a pop culture follower. Obviously, we do this every week. And I hear the things over the course of the past few years. Sure. Actually, decades, you know, since I've been alive you know, about what Star Trek and Star Wars have meant to each other, have meant to their fans, and the fight that's always gone between diehards of each faction. Mm -hmm. And as someone who loves both entities and has hated both entities at certain times, depending on right. the product that is put out, mm -hmm. it's become a situation where I've seen uh, always, it's a, to me, it's a situation where it's a David and Goliath. And you have this this Goliath, that Star Wars, that can seemingly at times, even when it puts out a, a junk product, can still seemingly have a lot of eyes on it. Whereas Star Trek can do everything that they can and put out this superior product on a lot of occasions and ha cannot get anywhere near the same eyes on it. Well, I think too that there is a level, uh, there is incredibly, and I'm not, let me preface this with, I'm not trying to say that Star Wars fans are not demanding. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to say that. I'm not comparing apples to apples here, but I know the Star Trek audience is demanding and the Star Trek and, and what Star Trek means and how it should look and how it should be approached does seem to be quite different for different pockets of Star Trek. And I think that once we can put down our keyboards and we can go out of the house and we can talk to other people and we can listen to other opinions and give things a little bit of extra thought and stuff like that. I, I think that we're going to start to cut Star Trek the same slack that we may afford to a Star Wars movie or series or whatever. I mean, Boba Fett, you call it yourself. It was snoozy. It wasn't... The Book of Sloba Fett? Yeah, that's the one. Thank you. I couldn't remember what you were calling it. So not everything with Star Wars works. And not everything with Star Trek has worked either. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just trying to say that as fans who, okay, have been treated kind of badly, but as fans, we need to be able to cut the shows a, a little bit of slack. It's not, this isn't what Star Trek is. This is what Star Trek is supposed to be. All of those kinds of conversations. You need to allow this, these, these things to evolve and change and grow 
And I think sometimes we get so stuck in, I loved the next generation. Every series now has to be like the next generation. Yeah. You know, I think we get uh, that's what I, you don't want that. You definitely no. don't want that. No, not at all. But again, it's just an issue I think that needs to be discussed all the time in order to make sure that these products, both on the Star Wars and the Star Trek side, try to do what they can to differentiate themselves from the rest of the pop culture community and try to make themselves continually attractive to a larger and younger audience, which I think is a key going forward, because as the older Star Trek and Star Wars fans die off, you have to have new ones to replace it and grow. Otherwise, you're going to go ahead and set yourself up for failure. So, again, these mistakes to me, they're seemingly minor. I, I mean, again, maybe some people are talking to me out there or asking me, you know, saying to me out there that, why are you making a big deal about this? To me, it's a big deal for the future of these series, of these IPs, especially in the case of Star Trek, which is always seemingly running an uphill battle. And you, if you are running an uphill battle, you have no time to go ahead and have a misstep. And, to, and right. this week, with the debut of the trailer, Strange New Worlds, on the same day that Kenobi was released, I think was a misstep indeed. But again, please, if you get a chance, we have both of the trailers. We have the links for both on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. So if you have a thought on exactly which one you like more, if you like both, if you're looking forward to both, if you check one out over the other, or if you want to weigh in on the Star Trek versus Star Wars eternal debate, Please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. She's laughing, but she knows that there's always a debate between oh, us. Oh, yeah. Two. I'm, I am expecting all of the ats on social media. <laughs> I'm, and I'm, I'm sorry. This is, just my, this is just my point of view as somebody who grew up, you know, sitting next to my dad on the couch watching Star Trek and, and falling in love with the world that they created. I love it. Yeah, they both have their high and low points. But again, right now, both are seemingly doing pretty good. Yeah. I know that the ratings for the Book of Boba Fett, at least initially, was pretty good. The Mandalorian obviously has done buku numbers for them and Disney+. Plus. And then the Star Trek, to me, the production values of Star Trek on television is seemingly as good as anything. Even the Mandalorian itself. I would match up Star Trek Discovery with anything else on television as far as production-wise. So, What, what Star Trek it. ought to do is just license Axanar and release that movie that's already made. It's a fan film. And they got legitimate actors from the series, and we should be able to watch that movie. But they put the brakes on it, and they've got it all tangled up in, in legal battles. Just license it, release it, see what happens. Exactly. So we want to hear your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Star Wars or Star Trek or both? Let us know, please. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Before we hit the break, my friend, The Atom Project on Netflix is hitting this weekend with Ryan Reynolds and directed by Sean Levy, who they just worked together on free guy. So they worked together again on the Adam project, depending on who you talk to, the reviews are mixed. I know that with some of the reviews are actually pretty good with some of them. They're not as good. I know that for right now, the Adam Project has got a 55 on Metacritic. But again, this is probably going to get a lot of ratings on Netflix simply because of the fact it's Ryan Reynolds once again on a Netflix platform. The numbers have been very good on Netflix Mm -hmm. so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, For his previous, Triple Seven, I think, was the one. And also as well, obviously, with Red Notice, which is the most popular movie all time on Netflix. What do you see for the Adam Project? I mean, this is something that, again, he is coming into this as a time traveler that's coming back to go ahead and try to right a wrong that will go ahead. And if he doesn't, it'll have an adverse effect on the future going forward if he doesn't. So your thoughts on seeing Ryan Reynolds, hopefully in a PG version right there, with some, with some a little bit of uh, Ryan Reynolds' sisms aside, but seeing Ryan Reynolds in this platform on Netflix once again. There's a few reasons why I don't think that the guy can miss. Ryan Reynolds has played Ryan Reynolds for a very long time at this point on the screen. You say that and Free Guy, I've told you my thoughts on Free Guy. Yeah, I know, but it was was Ryan Reynolds playing Ryan Reynolds. It was a hit, so you're right. He has that, you know, they talked about it. They used to talk about it a lot on American Idol. I understand the show is still on TV. I don't know. I don't watch it anymore. But Simon Cowell always used to talk about the X factor. And do you or do you not have the X factor? And Ryan Ryan Reynolds figured out 
exactly what that meant. The rest of us are going, what? And Ryan is just laughing. He's like, yeah, I got it. I got it figured out. I married Blake Lively. I'm from Vancouver and I love Deadpool. And now the guy can't do any wrong. Deadpool's awesome. Uh, Deadpool 2 was okay. Mm -hmm. Had its moments. Uh, The thing is, though, if you really want to check out Ryan Reynolds, do his Ryan Reynolds things before it became old. And to some people, his stuff in the early 2000s, Waiting. Waiting was Van Wilder. Mm -hmm. Waiting was a really good, really underappreciated movie with a whole bunch of stars in there. I really like that one. Like what happened when they uh, started cooking the food for the ladies that were really mean and what they did. (laughs) If you've seen the movie, you'll understand what I mean, but it's still Ryan Reynolds is still going to get a lot of impact out there. One thing I was surprised though, again, you're seeing turning red also being taken off the movie theaters and being put onto a a streaming service. Should this movie in the Adam project had gone onto the big screen instead? I won't be able to tell you that until I see it. To be honest, I know that I I know, like I know Ryan personally, I'm even calling him by his first name. Ryan Reynolds is taking a break from acting. Yes. So I don't think that these last few movies that he's done and kind of has in the can is in post-production or whatever. I don't think that he needs them to be a huge money grab at this point. I, I think he's like, you know what? I've done a couple of these projects I love them. I believe in them. And it's fine if this just goes to Netflix. He's got Deadpool 3 waiting for him whenever he wants to go ahead and start it. So. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think it's it's really going to harm him all that much. Maybe putting it for free on Netflix. Well, okay. For free on Netflix mm-hmm. is the correct move right now. Because I know we're all just kind of starting to get comfortable with, at least here where we are in Vegas, with the mask and quarantines and you know all of the restrictions being lifted and and all of that kind of stuff i think that not everybody is quite there yet and i think that somebody was very smart and said you know what let's just put this one on netflix we'll see what it does perhaps it's this big stinker and they don't want it to go through the theater that's possible right i mean he was also in that blade movie (laughs) where he played ryan reynolds but he was in that blade movie how many times you can almost count them on one hand when he has not played Rhino Reynolds. So you always talk about the actors who can get into character and those who the movie is structured around them as a character. Like for instance, Ryan Reynolds, Jack Nicholson. I mean, when, when has Jack Nicholson not been Jack Nicholson on on any one of his performances? So you could look at it from that sense, or you could go ahead and look at like someone like Jared Leto, who's willing to go ahead and like house of Gucci and put, a whole bunch of prosthetics on and whether good or bad, whatever you think of the, the role, at least go ahead and try to make an effort to dive into the role and be indistinguishable and be someone that you don't even know it's, it's him behind all that prosthetic. So right. yeah, it, it's a give and take. So Ryan Reynolds again is coming out with the Adam project this weekend on Netflix. Are you going to catch it? Uh, yeah. You know, are you going to go ahead and check it out? I mean, it sounds like it. I mean, I know it's going to be the number one movie now, at least for the next couple of weeks on Netflix and has a chance to really do some big numbers, but what are your thoughts out there on The Adam Project with Ryan Reynolds? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, we're going to be talking some video games, kind of, with the God of War series coming up on Amazon, plus Walking Dead, again, WWE 2K, again, DC Movie Changes, uh-oh, they're moved around, again, Turning Red's also coming out, and we'll also be talking about Tom Hanks, and does he think that you might have some dead eyes. We'll talk about that on the back end of the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back with the show. It's the PC Multiverse. It's Gerald Glassford along with the awesome 
Melinda Barkhouse Ross, the individual who you've got to check out each and every week at Vampires and Vitae, also her husband Rob, and the whole entire cast each and every week. Go ahead and check it out today on the Pop Culture Cosmos or wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, we're also the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook, so check out all of our great videos, plus the latest news and trends of pop culture every single day right there at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. But my friend, still so much more to talk about. God of War was announced as a series that's now in development at Amazon Prime, which has also talked about Mass Effect, although that's not been confirmed anywhere outside of Deadline, so I'm always kind of leery about that. So I want to hear your thoughts. Are you ready to go see Kratos? Go ahead and roar, I'm mad at the gods, once again on Amazon Prime. Yes, I am ready for that. And what took them so long? Good lord. yeah, I mean, all these video game properties have been out there for such a long time. And I know that this is somewhat of a one-note type of deal, but it is a very good note on that one-note type of deal with Kratos being mad at the gods. I mean, you could build it to one cataclysmic battle after another as he goes off against one god after another. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. Are you kidding me? I haven't played a whole lot of time in that game. But everything that I know about it and everything well, it's that not I- deep. I mean, you could understand. You, no, you pretty much I, know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, come on. I'm here for it. I'm I'm gonna go see it. Okay. Yes, please give me that. Now that you're seeing so many different outlets out there, streaming or movie or otherwise, needing content to go yeah. ahead and base off of. God forbid they wanted to come up with something original, so we'll come up with something familiar and that was popular. And there you go. That's where you're seeing the halos. The God of Wars, yeah. maybe sometime down the road, Mass Effects, Gears of War, yeah. uh, popular IPs that will go ahead and be produced out there on screen. So looking forward to a God of War series, but are you looking forward to a God of War series on Amazon Prime? Please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. One thing I want to mention as well is The Walking Dead, which is supposedly in like fragmented parts and fragmented pieces, finally going to end its run on AMC, but... We already know that's going to branch off with two characters already that are creating a series as a spinoff. Now we heard this week from AMC that there's going to be another spinoff with two characters very well known to the series, Maggie and Negan. It's so funny because these two characters, which are diametrically opposed to each other, because if you're a Walking Dead fan, you know that Negan killed maggie's husband glenn right some time ago mm-hmm. in a really gruesome fashion but what's the other thing that if you're a dc fanatic and you know this jeffrey d morgan who plays negan and laurie cohen that plays maggie as a way i think i think it was a way to troll the fans out there they are in bvs batman versus superman they play a role as the rehashing or doing a flashback on the thomas wayne and martha wayne getting killed were Negan and Maggie who are diametrically opposed to each other on The Walking Dead. So I think they were trolling The Walking Dead fans by doing that little cameo that they did. Yeah, so I looked at that the other day and I'm like, I remember Negan in it. I forgot Maggie was his wife. That's right. (laughs) That totally tripped me out when I saw that. But, you know, when it comes to it, I think the real thing is after the heights of popularity that the walking dead reached again its fifth or sixth season then really started to go downhill from there starting with negan killing off glenn in such a gruesome fashion people were turned off by the gruesome violence and it went downhill from there now it's at a point where i think it's you know it's still popular on sunday nights but it's nowhere near i think it's like 20 percent of what it once was way back when and now they're spinning it off again instead of doing something original they're using yeah. characters that you've seen for already years now. Is this a good move by AMC or do you think it will bring a new audience in or do you think it's just fragmenting the already reduced audience of The Walking Dead that's still there? I feel like it's fragmenting, but I watched like maybe the first two seasons and then <laughs> I'm not a fan of zombies. That's a problem when I'm trying to watch The Walking Dead. So I stopped watching the show. Just the noises that the zombies make. Just, ugh, it's awful. Oh, 
So uh, I, I, uh, yeah, bruh. no, it's just oh, it's just not good. Don't like it. Don't like it. No, no, no. So I stopped watching it, but knowing that the show is still going, I mean, good for them for being able to to stay relevant to at least twenty percent of their audience. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, and, still, but I mean, you've but now you've got two spinoffs that are coming featuring yeah. the same characters that you've seen. So you got Daryl and Carol in one spinoff, and then you've got again Negan and Maggie in another. Right. Really, what does that do on a show that again has already been around for so many years? Why don't you just keep that show running and, and just maybe do the spinoffs from there? Yeah, I suppose you could do it that way. But, you know, this is going to give you two new shows. Two new shows need to be populated with new characters. So there's going to be new blood. There's, there's, okay. <laughs> there's But will they be interesting? Be, well, I mean, gosh, we hope. That was the backbone and the reason why people were so entranced and watching week to week early on in its run and yeah. in the middle of its run was because of the characters that it built up were so dynamic and were so interesting to watch and the character yeah. interplay within each other. And I mean, it wasn't about the zombies. It stopped being about the zombies yeah. after the first episode. It was about Absolutely. the characters and the environment that they were in. You know, in all these zombie movies, the biggest threat is actually the living humans and how they treat yes. each other. Yeah, That's the ultimate thing when it comes to these movies. So this really did for a while, really did a good job of showcasing that aspect of these zombie movies and or the zombie series, as it were. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not interested really in it like I once was in the series. I think it's I'm one of those viewers, those many millions of viewers that have jumped off the ship. And I don't think it's getting me back on. I'll probably just go ahead and catch the last episode just to say I did of the regular series, just to say, OK, I'll tie it as a bow. Obviously, Andrew Lincoln leaving was a major deal for everybody as well, outside of the yeah. gruesome violence of Negan and originally early on. I think that was another key factor. When you have your main star leave a show, it's really hard to retain that audience. So I don't know. I mean, these are all popular characters within the confines of the, the Walking Dead fans, all four of these characters that are in these two spinoffs. So I think there will be always a segment of the population that follows it. But I still think right now, when it comes down to it, if you're going to go ahead and just have these spinoffs, why don't you just go ahead and just keep the main series going as long as you want? So, I well, know. I mean, everything has to end eventually, and perhaps they're looking at these two. But in a way, they're ending. not ending. Yeah, I don't know, Gerald. I don't know. This is a tough one, if you ask me. But I think that for The Walking Dead, that gratuitous violence there was obviously a little bit too much for people, and. The Daryl and Carol show, like I'm even kind of interested in that. I I might tune into that one and just to see, you know, what's up and what's going on and see if I've outgrown my horrifying reaction to the zombie sounds. But the other one doesn't really interest me that much. I've never really cared for that character. I've even read the comic books for a while and I just didn't don't like them. They already jumped the shark on what the comic book was. For a while they were following it almost page for page, but yeah. Now they've totally jumped the shark on, on the actual outcomes for many and of the Game characters. of Thrones fans. We know what happened when that happens, right? Eh? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, you good. get the ending that you did there. Well, too soon. Yes, but I'll tell you what. Are you excited out there for another spinoff in the Walking Dead universe? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Once again, it is Maggie and Negan setting out to the Isle of the Dead once the regular Walking Dead series ends. So please let us know if you're interested in this. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. WWE 2K22. I know my good friend Jamie Monroy from GameSource. He's actually already playing it. He's got an advanced look at WWE 2K22 as a big wrestling fan that he is. This is a return of a vaunted series that has actually been popular, but also in recent years has been vehemently trashed because it has been trash for the previous iterations, WWE 2K19, 2K18, 2K20. Those previous versions, it seemed to get worse and worse and worse. And not only that, through a whole bunch of microtransactions in there, and it had too many bugs, glitches. It was just really an unfinished product. I heard even the Nintendo Switch was actually one of the worst games. Really some bad versions there. They decided, the company Visual Concepts, to take a year off. And to wait to go ahead and 
put out until it's a little bit more polished and ready fashion for this update. So WWE2K22 comes out this weekend, and the reviews so far have been pretty solid. I'm not going to say they're great. It's still 76 on Metacritic, which is pretty good. But again, this is a far leap from what it once was. As someone who has loved wrestling games over the course of the past, thinking through my brain now, 35 (laughs) plus years at least, I'm thinking this is a good sign. I'm still hoping for more competition in the space. I think there's a lot more room for it. But at least this is a step in the right direction. I never really got into the wrestling video games, but I have been watching an awful lot of wrestling lately. And you know who I completely forgot about who's actually terrifying? That gold dust guy. It's Dustin Rhodes. Uh, His real name is Dustin Rhodes. Yes, he played the character Gold Dust. It was such a gimmick Hollywood type presentation. And during the 90s, it reached at least for a period of time where he became one of the most charismatic and enigmatic individuals in the WWE for a while. So it was something mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people were enjoying for a period of time. So yeah, There was something definitely... in that character that I thought was terrifying. Put that guy in the game and I'll probably play it. <laughs> yep. 160 wrestlers as far as a roster on the main game, which I think is always a bonus. I really got mad over the course of decades when I play a wrestling video game and only had like six or eight wrestlers. That was kind of sad. Now, when the technology couldn't allow for more to six to eight, that's understandable. But as the technology got more, you you were trying to shortchange. I thought this wasn't very forgivable. But right now, 160 characters right out of the gate on WWE 2K22. I'm interested. I'm looking forward to it. I know Jamie has some thoughts on it. He'll hopefully be able to show us some footage of it at some point in time on one of our outlets. So please take a look at that on social media, maybe Facebook, maybe YouTube. So we'll check it out. But WWE 2K22 is now available this weekend on gaming platforms like Xbox, PlayStation, and PC. So please let us know your thoughts on WWE 2K22. Is it something you're willing to get back into? We know the reviews have been bad for previous versions, but this seems to be a step in the right direction. So please let us know your thoughts on WWE 2K22. Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show Season 2, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. Well, before we head on out, my friend, wanted to go ahead and talk to you about Turning Red, Pixar's latest feature that's coming out at Disney+. Plus. There's been rumors that people at Pixar were upset about that fact, and they wanted to be showcased out in the theaters, but... I can't really fault Disney too much on it. I mean, they were in desperate need of content. How many weeks now I've been saying that they've been in desperate need of content up until Moon Knight. They now got at least a little with Turning Red. Yeah, at least there's a reason to crack open Disney Plus that doesn't involve rewatching The Emperor's New Groove or Hercules. As I noted to Josh on a previous episode that he loved to watch for the 58th time or whatnot. But I will say that this movie that centers around a 13-year-old who realizes the ability that she, at certain point of times, whether she's agitated or excited or some fashion where she's really gets the emotions going, that she turns into a huge red fox. Seems like to me, from what I'm seeing from the trailers, a very cute story, a very loving story, and something I'm really excited about. It showcases the abilities and the animation and the look that Pixar can bring out. I'm really excited to see it, and I hope a lot of other people are as well. Yeah, I always have time for Pixar movies. Always. Want to hear your thoughts out there on Turning Red if you're going to check it out? And if you do check it out this weekend, please let us know. Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com. Well, before we hit my last thing as far as the podcast, Dead Eyes is concerned, I want to hear your thoughts. I know Josh and I on the Monday show are going to go deep into this DC changes as far as the date changes that were made, but I also wanted to get your opinion on Shazam. Well, Warner, basically Warner Brothers 
wanted to go ahead and make some changes. They moved most of the things back as far as their DC movies are concerned. They did move one up. So that was kind of interesting. But Shazam moved from June of next year to December of this year. That was the one that they moved up. Wonka, which is based off of the Willy Wonka with Timothy Chalamet, that's going from March of next year to December of next year. Aquaman 2, that has gone from December of this year to March of next year. So I know a lot of people are bummed about that. The Flash and Flashpoint, that was going from a November release this year. That's going all the way back to June of next year. So I think there's going to be a lot of work done on that one. Maybe somebody at Warner Brothers isn't happy the way it's turning out. Black Adam, which was getting a lot of press and The Rock was really pushing that, that's gone from a July release to an October release. So not too much longer, but it's still being put off into a month that it may or may not break that movie as far as being a popular success. Still would have liked to have seen it as a summer release. And DC League of Super Pets, which features a whole bunch of all-star voices, including The Rock, that's been moved from May to July. So I want to hear your thoughts on some of these DC changes. Does any one of those changes really stick out to you? I'm very surprised that the Aquaman movie got pushed back that far. As am I. As am I. That no, and Black really. Adam. I, Black Adam yeah. going to October was kind of weird. That's a surprise. But there could be some kind of extenuating circumstance that we don't know about. Perhaps mm. there's a scene that they need to put in to make some plot point make sense. So, you know, mm. it's possible there's something like that. They could have some kind of issue in post-production. Anything like that could be the case. But I'm just wondering if there's some kind of post-production issue going on there. It's really hard to say. Perhaps they're looking at the way Marvel is lining things up and they're trying to find different holes. And this will make more sense to put this here and that kind That's of stuff. That's a good point. Very yeah, good point. I, I think that there it could be as simple of an explanation as that. Could be indeed. But there also could be some issues going on within the movies themselves. Like, yep. for instance, Flashpoint is getting a huge bump back. And that is a movie that's supposed to retcon a lot of things and make everything right and make everything nicey-nicey in the DC timeline going forward. Mm -hmm. I was very disappointed to hear that one, especially because there's a lot of hopes riding on Flashpoint to correct a lot of things in this DC yeah. universe, which you and I, and also Josh and I, over the years now, have said a lot of things about as far as being all over the place and having mm -hmm. no direction. And then when they do try to make a direction, people are not watching enough. So I'm curious to see what that extra time that some of these movies are now getting, what that does to go ahead and help polish. I mean, it's always great in the video game genre when a video game does get more time to become polished. I know we don't like it as fans. We don't like it as gamers or don't like it as moviegoers. But it usually ends up meaning that there's probably going to be a little bit better product that comes out of it. So I'm hoping that that will be the case. But yes, some interesting moves. And Shazam being the only one of these movies being bumped up. What does that say about Shazam being moved up to December of this year? Well, Shazam had a very different tone to that movie than a lot of the other DC movies traditionally have. Yes. Right? It so, is not dark at all. It is like, no, yeah. we don't want anything to do with the darkness of DC. <laughs> right. So, you know, maybe that's a reason why they decided to move that one up. I don't know. Yeah, that's a tough one. Well, it's going to be now a situation where you have Black Adam coming out in October, and then you have, coming up right after it, you have Shazam coming out with it. So it's going to be very interesting to see yeah. what that does. I know that they're both within the same family quote unquote, so to speak. Yeah. In regards to that. So they will play off each other. Maybe you want Shazam right there because it'll, if black Adam does well in October, which again, to me is kind of like a tricky month to get a movie over. Still think you should have kept it in the summer, but if that's the case, that's the case. But I still think that if black Adam does well in October, that could be a big boost for Shazam because Shazam, the original did not do that great at the box office, but still is a movie that, DC and Warner Brothers have some high hopes for. Yeah, absolutely. And here's a question for you. Is part of, because I'm still learning American culture firsthand, is your Thanksgiving weekend, that's a big weekend for the movies, correct? Absolutely, yes. Okay. It's not the biggest. Memorial Day weekend, first weekend of May, 
Right. Those are big weekends. July 4th weekend is a really good one too. But Thanksgiving weekend, Encanto did pretty good, even in the middle of a pandemic, even though Encanto has done bigger on Disney Plus. But yes, normally Thanksgiving weekend is a pretty good weekend at the box office. Okay. What I'm getting at, and there is a point, is that October is Canadian Thanksgiving. Maybe Canada's being like a, a little bit of a a test. And I don't know. Maybe that's putting too much importance on Canadian audiences. I don't know. I don't know if maybe. they even, I don't even know if they're all that concerned about Canadian audiences, to be honest. As a Canadian, I can say that. Hush. But I just wonder if there isn't something to that, maybe. I'm hushed, all right. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, maybe there could be. It's, it's a, a long shot. shot. Yeah. But I, I know that the only times I've seen where it, a market really influences movies are with the U.S., yeah, with China, which yeah. is now the largest market in the entire world. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, depending on the movie, in the U.K. market, like, for instance, Bond films. Bond films always release in the U.K. first. It's not a question about it because of the fact of how important Bond is to British culture. But right. we've seen British cultured films debut in U.K. first and that being a priority. So I get that. This could be a thing where Canadians are now getting some love, and that'd be good if that's the case. So, yeah, about hopefully, time. That, yeah, about, about, about time, time indeed. About time. time. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on the DC movie changes? Please share it with us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. And Josh and I will go into more detail, more thought, and more analysis because I know he's been wanting to talk about what's gone on with the DC movie changes on Monday's show, The Pop Culture Cosmos. But before we head on out, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the podcast that's not named Pop Culture Cosmos or the Lakers Fast Break that I've been listening to lately. Although I listen to both of those, I recommend those highly. And Vampires and Vitae, I recommend that show because I've been listening to that. Is Dead Eyes, hosted by actor who's not, a, not done a lot of notable things. He's done a lot of small roles and He's worked a lot mainly on improv acts and improv shows. But Connor Ratliff, who is starting to get some acclaim for the show, it's going on, I think, about two, two and a half years now as the show's are. It's in the third season. It's about 30 episodes, just to let everybody know. It's about a show where he, in the year 2001, he was auditioning for a role in the miniseries The Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers, a very famous HBO series. It's earned a lot of acclaim. You can check it out right now on HBO or HBO Max. But it is something that Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg produced. And a lot of stars that were not famous at the time have become famous off of it, off that success. It helped catapult a lot of stars. He was actually accepted for a role of Private Zelensky in episode five. And was all set. He's living in the UK. He was heading up to go ahead and, and take on this role. And Tom Hanks, according to what was, he's been able to ascertain over the course of 30 episodes, at some point in time, according to what, the word that got back to him, said that he had dead eyes and he would not be taking that role. And they hired some actor to take his place. Now, the gist of most of the episodes since, it's like a serialized tale. If you're familiar with the very famous podcast that really brought the podcast medium out there called Serial, it does it in that type of true crime mystery type format as far as him trying to uncover little pieces, trying to get people that are connected to this decision that was made to try and uncover the facts in regards to exactly why Tom Hanks, or if Tom Hanks, actually used the words dead eyes. Been uncovering things like audition tapes or some of the other things that were relating to it, talking to some of the actors that were involved with the Fonda Brothers, some of the producers, talking to famous stars and producers like Seth Rogen, John Hamm, Elijah Wood, and many more comedians that he's worked with all across his time in improv. Trying to break down not only his struggles as an actor, but also their struggles and some of their rejections. And you get to hear their stories as well while trying to piece together his entire story on how this happened in the Band of Brothers. So what happens is it's all leading up to a situation where would he ever get the chance to speak to Tom Hanks face to face? And the thing is that all throughout this, everybody who was even relating to Tom Hanks or had knowledge of Tom Hanks says great things about Tom Hanks. 
Yeah, you nicest don't hear many people say anything terrible. Yeah, about Tom Hanks. nicest guy in the world, yeah. tremendous actor, best actor in the world. Yada yada. The whole nine yards. There's no like big poo pooing on Tom Hanks at all at any time of the episode. But it's an interesting journey he takes. This is over the course of two and a half years. And again, I've been trying to binge it over the past few days. And it's leading up to a episode that dropped on the same day that we're recording this, where he finally gets to speak to Tom Hanks to find out all the reasons why. And I'm not going to go into the actual results of this conversation. Did he or did he not say that this actor, Connor Ratliff, had dead eyes? But to me, it's a bigger look at the entertainment industry as a whole, the ins and outs, the struggles that you have the rejections that you got to deal with because everybody seemingly that comes on the show has a rejection story or firing of some type. And even notable producers, directors, Judd Apatow, Paul Feig, Seth Rogen, they all have their stories. And that to me makes such a great part of the series. So that's the podcast I've been checking out. And I hope you get a chance to check it out too. It's beginning a lot of notoriety because of the fact that he's gotten Tom Hanks on the last episode I don't know if it's the last episode of the series. I know it's the last episode of the season, season three. I don't honestly know where it could go from here. But again, if you're willing to take a 30-episode run, or in this case, 31, this might be one well worth taking. Nice. It sounds really interesting. And what a great behind-the-scenes look at the life of a struggling actor. Because he is. Yeah, Yeah. because after that, he didn't do much more in the early 2000s, so he left to just go ahead and work in a bookstore for 13 years before he got the itch to start acting again and then talks about his climb back into a struggling actor, once again, trying to get roles, commercials, television. He's been in the Marvel, Mrs. Maisel. He's been orange in the new black, small roles here and there. It deals with another side of the entertainment industry. I really like people to go ahead and check out. But I'll tell you what, if you got a chance, or if you've already checked out the series Dead Eyes, available on podcast outlets everywhere, I want to go ahead and give a, a big shout out to Connor Ratliff for creating a very nice show. Again, it's done in a serialized format, so it leads to tens of mystery. It has big surprises every now and then. So if you're interested, please check it out. Dead Eyes, wherever you get your podcasts. But Melinda, it has been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough for joining me as always. Do you or your dog have any thoughts <laughs> on the way out? Yes, actually. I, it was one that I meant to send you before we started. You've heard about what's going on with GTA 5, right? About the next gen drop that's coming up? Yeah, that you have to pay for it. Yeah, absolutely. Or does yeah. this surprise you from 2K? Well, I mean, I'm just, it just seemed uncool. It's a rhetorical question because I know the answer is yes. Everybody's yeah, upset in arms. Of course, yeah. It, it seems uncouth, but for a game that came out, was it like 2012, 2013, something like 2013, that? 2013, yes. Yeah. So they've just been continually creating more and more and updating and giving you new little bits and new little GTA things. GTA Online has become a huge entity in and of itself. Absolutely. So maybe it's about time they started charging for some of that. But a lot of people are upset about it. And of a lot of people are. Are, are upset about that. It's such a big price difference. I know some next-gen upgrades we have seen over the past couple of months have come out like an extra $10 you have to pay. Or if you're buying the new version straight up, don't have a previous version, it's, it is $70. And a lot of people are getting upset about that. But again, this is 2K. They are the microtransaction kings of the gaming universe and have mm-hmm. just unapologetically just said, that they love this, that they love getting all these extra dollars and cents. It helps build what they have today. So I'm not surprised in the least what they're doing with GTA 5. And people shouldn't expect a GTA 6 anytime soon because of it. Yeah, definitely not. If they're that focused on getting new content out for GTA 5, then 6 is, I don't even think it's on the horizon. I'm probably saying give it another two years. Give it another two years. Okay. I'll, I'll take you up on that. In two years time, we'll meet right here. And we'll 2024. Have I'm thinking 2024. I'm thinking 2024. 2024. All right. Yeah, Sounds like a good year. Maybe. At least they'll announce it by then. That's what yeah. I'm yeah. I'm covering my bases there. But I'll tell you what, it's been great having you on the show once again. Thank you so much for watching and listening. And please check us out each and every day for the latest news and trends and also tabletop RPG action. There's no better place to go than the pop culture. So for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, 
This is Gerald Glassford. This is another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.